The following message has been brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on the web at trinitybc.org. All right, guys. Y'all going to have to help me. I'm not used to talking to quiet people. Okay? I'm used to people rolling in the grass up in the football field. I'm used to kids in children's church uh, taking swings at one another and all that kind of stuff. So I need y'all to help me. Um you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to Genesis chapter 22. That's the passage we're supposed to be in in kids' church this morning, so I brought it over here for y'all. And while you're turning, I'm going to tell you something. Sarah and I have finally done something we've been threatening to do for years. We're going to sell one of the kids. <laughs> no. Every year, about this time we go, you know what, football is over. Why are we paying for cable? Why are we praying for a direct TV? This is way too much, okay? And every year we call them up. They want to charge us $120, $150 for our package. Sarah calls them up and says, no, nah, we can't do that. She's real persuasive. And they usually go, nah, okay, well, let me talk to somebody else. And they get, they get it down to 90. She goes, nah, that's not good enough. you got to get it, gotta get it further down. Goes to the last call, last second before they cancel it. They, they will call us back and go, well, how about, how about 60? I said, for 60, you can keep it. Okay? Not, not, not 90, not 120, not 150 for sure. But for 60, I, I'll do it. But this time, the negotiations didn't go so high. They stuck at 150 and, and kept it. I, I guess it was the SEC coaching salaries, you know. They got to pay Billy Napier $7 million a year to go 6 and 7. So, there you go, Brad. Okay? So we said, we're done, okay? So we've been researching ways to do it for free, watch TV for free, and, and practicing. Uh, my, each girl in my house has figured something, something out they like to watch. Claire Best 13, and she, of all things, has gone to the Roku channel and started watching Leave It to Beaver, okay? She's the only 13-year-old girl who's big on Wally and the Beaver that I know. I said, I'm not arguing with you. I said, not the Kardashians. Go for it, baby. I don't care, Okay? Sally and Maggie have mooched off Mimi's uh, Disney Plus subscription, so that's cool for me. That's free. Sarah is teaching first grade at Keystone Elementary, so she comes home and she just goes to bed, so I'm worried about her. Me, um, I get YouTube. Okay, there's hundreds of fishing and hunting shows on there. There's millions of barbecue recipe channels. I'm, I'm into that, but since January I've been trying to decrease because I've been increasing again. And uh, I'm down 25 pounds. So I've been watching, oh, 2.11 this morning, baby, I didn't tell you that. So I've been watching uh, these workout videos, get some ideas for the gym, because I have no idea what to do when I get there. And I watch some of those, and then it says, hey, you might like this. So you start watching that you might like. You all get suggestions for that? And it's all these strongman videos from back in the day. The world's strongest man from, you know, several years back and all the way up to the present and some of their training routines. I love watching them. And I'm always intrigued watching them train, watching them pick up logs, watching them pull things down the runway. I'm watching hours and hours of this, and Sarah's coming in going, can you change the channel so we can watch something together? So I'm, oh, one more time, baby. I just got to see how he does this. Okay, I got to see how he does it. Well, you're crazy. I'm going to go to the room and read my book. Okay? We are passage this morning. We're going to read this story. It's going to have the same kind of reaction that we had to the strong man. I got to see how he does this. Okay? I got to see how he does this. Talking about Abraham, of course. 
Bible says, sometime later, God tasted Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, hear him, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set up for the place God had told him about. On the third day, God, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the word for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went out together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now that I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. May God bless the reading of his word. The feat of faith that Abraham pulls off here in this passage is truly breathtaking. I don't think there's anybody here among us who could have do, done what he has done. I don't think I could pass this test if God had told me to take one of my girls out there. But Abraham does. How exactly does he do it? We're not given a full description exactly how he does it, but I think there's some principles here that we can pull through and apply to our lives and see how this faith got so strong. The first thing we see here is that this test is a culmination of a lifetime of training. This test is a culmination of a lifetime of training. Super Bowl champions, World Series champions, NBA champions don't win a championship ring by stepping onto the court or the field for the very first time and just winning. They spend weeks and months and even years on the practice field taking practice swings, taking practice shots, running tackling drills, running running drills, building their endurance, building their strength. Strong men don't go and pick up a 500-pound log without spending a lot of time in the gym lifting up big, heavy weights. God did the same thing with Abraham. The story of his training is not all contained in chapter 22. In fact, the passage begins with sometime later. Okay, Later than what? All that precedes it, okay? Eleven chapters back. Chapter 11, we meet him for the first time. He's tagging along with his daddy okay, and his nephew Lot. And they leave Ur the Chaldeans, and they're heading to the land of Canaan. Okay? But however, they must have found a really good rest stop in Haran. They pull over at mile marker 157, 
They said they park it there forever. Okay, there must have been a Bucky's there. Okay, I think I think they had beef jerky and, and brisket sandwiches. And for the first time, they said, "Forget it. We're not going anywhere else. We're staying right here." Have you seen how many gas pumps there are? Have you seen how many bathrooms there are? We're never leaving. Okay. And that's what they do. They never leave. Okay. I guess you could say Abraham's mountain climbing experience starts out watching his daddy settle for what's comfortable and settle for what is safe. And I guess sometimes... You can learn as much from watching a bad example as you can a good example. Because just a chapter later, God comes to Abraham. He comes to Abram at this point. He says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. Go, boy. Time to go. What does Abram say? Sure. Me and my wife, Sarah, well, we're, we're young chicks. we got a whole life ahead of us. We're ready for some adventures. We're ready to get out of this rest stop. But was that the case? When God speaks to him in chapter 12, he's 75 years old, y'all. Okay? He's about to retire on his daddy's money. Okay? They have an appointment to go look at the RV park that is built in town. They have world-class pickleball courts over there. And he's about to move in. Okay? What does he do? He flexes those muscles. Don't know where they got him from at this point. He obeys and he leaves. Okay. They move on to the land at the age of 75 and 65. Okay? In chapter 13, they get there. What did they see? That the land's terrible? Nope. Not at all. In fact, it's so good that his flocks, his nephew Lot's flocks, they're growing at exponential rates. Okay? And they can't keep them all together. And Abraham has to, has to find some faith to do something about it. That I can fight, and I can impose my will on this boy, or I can have faith. I can let him pick, and I can go another way. And that's what he does. Lot picks, goes over here, and later on, Abraham has to trust God to get Lot out of trouble. Okay. Then he has to trust God when getting Lot out of trouble involved him getting involved with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he doesn't take their plunder. He keeps on going. And next thing you know, 10 years have passed. He's now 85, and Sarah's 75. And it's a good thing his faith is growing each step of the way. It's a good thing he's bulking up. Because the biggest part of the promise that God gives to Abraham is not that you just get some land. The land's going to a boy, his boy. But he ain't got one yet. And what seemed improbable at 75 and 65 now seems almost impossible at 85 and 75. Okay? But in chapter 15, they have a conversation. We get to read it. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir. Talking about a servant in his house. But one will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Chapter Verse 6 is my favorite. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And you would think, after this great conversation right here, this great profession of faith, that God would answer the prayer, would answer the promise nine months later and send little baby Isaac to the earth right then. But is that what happened? 
No. God does something that a hard trainer does. I see some of these hard trainers in the gym. I go to over here at Genesis, especially on Saturday mornings when Coach Lowry and Miss Lowry and they're training together. They are awful to each other. Okay. He puts Abraham, Coach Lowry puts Miss Mary in. Miss Mary puts Miss Coach Lowry in. It's called a hold. When you pick up a big barbell with a bunch of weight on it and you go up with it, but you don't come down with it. You simply hold it. You go up slowly with it and hold it. Or you go up with it and come down slowly with it. They're nice, it's one or two seconds. If they're mean, it's five seconds. If they're evil, it's 15 seconds. This is more on the, on the harsh side over here. God doesn't make you wait nine months or one year or two years or five years or ten years. turns out it's 15 years of holding that promise up. And the whole time his faith muscles are just burning. And okay? a, a real lift like this, the trainer said, uh, the lactic acid in the muscles, and you hold it like that and go up and down so slow, it just floods that muscle and tears them apart. Rips them to shreds. That acid, by the way, is the same thing that makes you so sore the next day. If you go walking on the beach, you go, you come back up to the house, and the next day you can't walk, that's because you got lactic acid in your, in your legs. Abraham has some spiritual lactic acid going on, but guess what? It makes him stronger. And that hold and all that believing for that long period of time pays off. And at the age of 100 for Abraham and, and 90 for Sarah, Chapter 21 says, our story last week in Kiss Church, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham's son in his old age, at the set time in which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And trivia question, what does Isaac mean? What does Isaac mean? Y'all come on! Laughter! Okay? She saw all this. He saw all this and just had to laugh at the goodness of God. How God was there. My question to you, church, have you let God put your spiritual muscles under some exercise lately? Have you taken on a kingdom cause that needed a push that seemed kind of heavy and you tried it. Or have you slowly but surely been like Abraham's daddy and looked for safety and comfort and become a spiritual couch potato? I can remember now, oh man, 15 years ago. Been in ministry 15 years. That's crazy. I was recruiting Sunday school teachers at my first church. And I'm looking through our church directory and our uh, our Sunday school classes for people who may be a good working four or five-year-old, three, four, five-year-old first graders. And God laid on my heart this huge class of women that met in the biggest class downstairs. They had the best teacher. They had the best uh, follow-up coordinators, new people who followed. They got the best care coordinators for people who were sick. They had the best of everything, best fellowships, best food. That's where you want to go for breakfast. So there's a couple of ladies in there who would be real good. Okay. I'm going to go talk to them. So I went and I talked to these ladies. I said, 
Ladies, I know y'all are a big part of this class, but you're not in leadership in this class. You're not teaching this class. You've been taught well in this class. Now it's time for you to put what you've learned into action. How about it? Oh, Pastor Clay. Oh, Pastor Clay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This class is just so wonderful. It's just done so well. I'm so comfortable here. This is home. I can't leave. mentality. And that's the biggest problem the American church has. We seek comfort. We want a cruise ship, but what is the church? A battleship. Time to man the stations, y'all. When you don't man the stations, it's not only work doesn't get done, but you miss out. Miss Doris and Miss Barbara will tell you the three-year-olds are the biggest blessing in your life. And they know all your family secrets. Mr. Bill, Mr. George will tell you, teaching kids and teaching boys and teaching girls Sunday school is a bigger blessing, a bigger thrill than any business deal they can pull off. Mr. Frank and Miss Carol will tell you that rocking babies and strolling them up and down the hallway will give you the best Sunday afternoon nap there is. Okay? Are you seeking comfort? Or are you trusting God? Are you taking naps or are you exercising? I can keep going on this, but if we were in kids' church, Miss Jody would be going, hurry up. Okay? Next question I have about how he did this is what in the world did he use for fuel? What got that old man into gear? What got him into motion? Okay? Lots of older guys you see move like molasses. But he was moving with purpose. He was pulling off something. He was excited. What, What gave it to him? The strong men on the YouTube, they talk about nutrition and fuel a lot. But to do the feats of strength they do, it takes 10,000 calories a day. They have one video where they follow this guy around Costco, and he was filling a buggy up just for himself for one week, not including his wife and kids. It was $800. Okay? $800. And it's probably more than that today. It's probably $1,000 today. What was he pulling off the fuel? If you start interrogating the text, it doesn't really jump up at you, okay? But like I said a minute ago, the kids will tell on you. The kids will tell on you. And the cue in to where he gets his fuel, what's driving him, comes in verse 7. Verse 7 says, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? What does this tell you? Isaac's seen this done before. And he's seen it done often. Okay? Abraham was a chronic worshiper. He wanted to worship God. That's what made him want to go. That's what made him excited. That's what made him tick. It kept the promises of God at the forefront of his mind kept God's promises fresh and anew. It foreshadowed the blood of the land that was, was to come and brought forth atonement for any sin in him and his family's life. It's what fed the fire of the spiritual beast inside of Abraham. It's what made him tick. Can the same be said about you? Worshiping God and putting him first. It's what makes you tick. 
Abraham did it on good days and bad days. He did it in good weather and bad weather. Sometimes we look outside and go, it's raining, we're not going to have much of a crowd today. He did it when the fish were biting, the fish weren't biting. He did it when there was a ball game and when there wasn't a ball game. He put worship first all the time. He was excited to go up that mountain and do it once again. It's the first thing he did when he got in the land. the first thing he did after he made peace with Lot. Worship is what made this old man tick. If you don't know if worship is that big a deal to you, you can ask your kids or get your kids to show you. I was fishing with one of my girls. I'll, I'll leave unnamed because she would get mad at me. We were catching some speckled perch for dinner up Frank and Jody's Lake. And we caught a few. We're trying to get three or four more so we can have dinner. I hook one and I hand it to her and bring it in. It just comes unglued at the boat. I go, I go baby, that's okay. No big deal. We'll, we'll catch another one. And then she looked at me dead in the eye. Daddy, that's not okay. That is not okay. I don't like it when you say that. We go fishing to catch fish. We put the fish in the boat, and then we eat them. Don't you ever talk like that again. I said, I got a little bloodthirsty monster right here. I'm, I wonder where she got that from. And then like audibly out of the blue and clear sky, the Holy Spirit speaks out. She only fishes with you, dummy. My passion for that sport overflowed from my cup into hers real fast. Okay, I better get some Jesus in that cup or I'm going to have an FWC outlaw. But worship was Abraham's fuel. What's yours? What makes you tick? Think through it. If the answer is not God, then you're serving an idol. Anything but God, Houston, we got a problem. There's something else that gets him up that hill. There's something else that gets him up that hill. You read it, you can almost feel feel the excitement that he had. And it can be summed up in one word confidence. Confidence. And it's not a cocky confidence. In himself. We're going to see that, that it's in God. But if you, if you read the text one more time, you almost catch the jitters. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. This is a hundred year old plus man, probably 110, 115, getting the animal notoriously stubborn and grabbing it and making it do what he wants it to do. Took two of his servants. He got some teenagers together. Greg Mims, who did the, did the referees, tell you that's, that's an act of Congress. Getting them together. And his son Isaac got the boy out of bed. Again, that's, that's tough to do. When he had cut enough wood, a hundred plus year old plus man cutting wood. Eddie Howell was mad at me last year because I named Split Wood with me last summer. So this is hard work. I'm an old man. I can't do this. I said, Abraham was a hundred. Hush. Okay? He's moving, working hard to go do this. He's excited to go do this. I don't know about you, but I got something I don't want to do. I move slow with molasses. 
okay? I will drag my feet as much as I can. And tell the kids that clean the room. All of a sudden, that little piece of clothing on the floor weighs 100 pounds. Oh, I can't get it, Dad. I can't get it, Dad. Okay? And you would think killing your own son on top of a mountain would be like, on the the want-to-do list, would be the last thing. But he has confidence that something good's going to happen. If you were to interview Abraham and go, hey, is this confidence coming from you? Do you get the Steve Spurrier swagger? He'd look at you and say, son, I've had swagger three times in my life, and each time it bit me. Okay? And coincidentally, these are the three, three stories in children's church I kind of skipped accidentally on purpose. The first one happens in chapter 12 when him and Sarai go down to Egypt. And apparently Sarai was the most beautiful 65, 70-year-old woman that ever looked. Because he was worried that old Pharaoh was going to kill him and take her as his wife. So they come up with a plan. They come up with a plan. Tell me you're my sister. They were half-brother, half-sister. Pharaoh goes and takes Sarai as a wife. A plague is unleashed upon them. A plague on the household of Pharaoh. Pharaoh figures out what had happened. He goes to Abraham. Why did you bring such evil to me? Why did you lie? You know, Abraham has to eat crow. Chapter 20, he does the same exact thing with King Abimelech. And again, he's left eating crow. And then the big one. I don't know the big one. They get tired of waiting. And that long pause that they had, Abraham says, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. Sarah says, I'm tired of waiting. Here, take Hagar, my handmaiden. You have a baby with her. Take her as a wife, and that'll work. That'll fix everything. Good idea, huh? No. I live, I live with four women. I can tell you not having two wives would not be a good idea. Okay? Women get into it. Abraham and Sarah have a little, have a few words. Later on, the two young boys have a few words. And a little later on, all their descendants to this day have some words. Okay. He wouldn't say, hey, I'm confident in myself. Every time I, I tried myself, it didn't work. It got made things worse. He learned from the, all of his previous mistakes. It only leads to trouble. So it wasn't confidence in himself. What was it? Confidence in God. He'd been walking with God for 25, maybe 35 years now. He's seen God provide and come through time and time again. And he knew through Isaac all the promises of the covenant were going to come through. He takes his confidence. He looks at Isaac and says, you know what? Jehovah Jireh. God is going to provide. God will provide the lamb. I am sure of it. He's going to do something. I know I'm not going to figure it out, but I know he has it figured out. I'm going to get up the mountain and just cut the stress out, get there, and see what happens. I know it's going to be good. I'm going to fast forward to the end. Have you ever? That's one thing I'm going to miss about cable is having to DVR to fast forward to the end of the game to see if it turns out good. If it turns out good, I'll watch the whole thing. If it's bad, I'll just delete it. Okay? But, listen, I know it's cheap. 
You pay for that cheating, $100 a month. But listen, he's cheating, but he's cheating with confidence. I'm going to get there and make, make God do something because I know he's going to do something. The, the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 says this, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered, it, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. He was therefore not shocked when the angel of the Lord cried out and said, Stop. He was not shocked when he looks up and sees a ram caught in the thicket. He knew that God had a plan, and he just had to see what it was. And church standing on this side of the cross, we know that God did provide a lamb. Just a stone's throw from Mount Moriah, Mount Calvary. God provided His one and only Son. He did not spare His one Son, but gave Him up, up, gave us, gave him up all as a sacrifice for us all. And we can have confidence as we trust in that one and final and perfect sacrifice. We can come running to the Lord, Abba Father, and He will not turn us back, but will still embrace us and welcome us, welcome us into His kingdom forever. If you've done that, that's the most important act and step of faith you could ever exercise. But once he believes, he doesn't just immediately take us to heaven. He leads us back here to serve him, to point other people to him. And that involves walking by faith. That involves spiritual exercise. That involves having draw upon worship as a fuel. It involves pointing other people as we see them, inviting them to please come. I had a great time on Friday night just walking through the crowd inviting all the kids and all the adults. Hey, we're doing something else here on this field April 2nd. Be here. Easter celebration. Be here. Be here. Be here. Be here. This morning I texted everybody in the kids list saying, hey, if you want to go to summer camp, get here. Get here. You can come. Come here. Some of them probably rolled over and turned it off. But before I came over here to preach, where we had 30 kids sign up. Okay? Step out in faith. Be willing to take a stand. Be willing uh, to put God as your passion and be fueled by His the, the vision of His kingdom and the vision of more people coming to worship Him and the vision of wanting to have your brother or sister or your friends or family, your co-workers sitting beside you here in a worship service one day just lifting up the name of Jesus together. And to know that they believe y'all can do it forever, together forever in heaven. That is the vision. That is what this text is pointing us to. Thank you for coming to Children's Church. You're invited to come anytime you want over there. But right now, let me invite you. God speaking to you. If you've never taken that first step of faith and trust in this Lord and Savior, please come. We'll love to talk with you. think you've become a spiritual couch potato, come on down. We can talk about how we can put those muscles to work. If you're worshiping other things, come down here and repent. Tell God you're sorry and put in your place. Pastor Scott and the praise team's coming now. You come and you do business with the Lord. And dismiss this service. Heavenly Father, God, thank you, Lord, so much for today.
thank you, Lord, so much for the chance to be here. I'm thankful for many in this congregation who aren't spiritual couch potatoes, but they go to work and they work hard for you. I'm thankful for the woes, those who point us to worship you. Help us, God, to make that be the fuel that lights our fire, gets us excited, and makes us want to go invite more people to do that with us. Help us, God, to remember that's the truly satisfying thing this side of heaven and all of eternity. 